we are back with the breakfast show. You are listening, and it's a beautiful sunny day here in Newcastle, and uh, it is an amazing Wednesday morning, and we are going to have another clue for the quiz. So, our next clue. I was covered with red hair when I was born. Okay, who had red hair in the Bible? A bit of a ranger. Lots of it. Yep, so 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Bibleopoly, uh, the board game, which is, you know, a fantastic prize, (coughs) one that you can invite Lyle and I over to play and you can feed us and, you know, that that comes with the prize, is, is our precious time and friendship with you. All right, so we were talking to... Uh, <laughs> I love that. Just, just move on. Just, just move on. <laughs> Actually, quick shout-out. So, shout-out Brayden, who's got uh, the answer correct first every single day. <laughs> so, he is, like, just absolutely killing it. He is on point with these Bible clues, guys. You have to keep up because if you answer it first, we have our, our, our rule here. If you're the first in, then you get, like, two entries to the quiz. And so, that means Brayden has got at least... Double the entries of everyone else right now. That, that's uh, that's pretty epic by Braden. I'm, I think we might be heading over to Braden's place for a uh, games night. Um, <laughs> we'll see how we go. Anyway, um, that quiz one more time, the quiz question. Oh, yeah, the quiz question one more time. I was covered with red hair when I was born. Okay, who is it? If you know the answer, 0491 We've also been talking about generational stories. It was interesting talking to Jennifer Skews here a minute ago and about how the emotions come up that are, you know, that are attached to memories and some mm. of the most positive emotions that ever sort of come to me is when I look at some, some generational stories uh-huh. and start to read some of those. And so generational stories, of course, stories, that you grew up with as a kid and you have passed on to your kids um, or plan to pass on to your kids. These are the epic favourites. And so far, as far as generational stories goes, I think uh, Arthur Maxwell is sitting at number one. He's one mm-hmm. of the most famous. Uh, number Then we've got, um, we've got uh, Sam Campbell stories that have been mentioned. We've got Eric B. Hare stories that have been mentioned. We've got... Uh, Dr. Paul White or Jungle Doctor stories have been mentioned. I want to know, we want to know, what are your generational stories that you grew up with that you have read to your children as well um, or plan to read to your children uh, or that your grandparents had and, you know, generational stories, what what are they? I mean, we've got four that are listed here. There's got to be more than just four that have been passed down through the generations. So let us know. And if you've just got some great stories about these four, then uh, let us know those ones as well. Who was it? How many of you out there read Jungle Doctor as a kid? How many of you out there read uh, Eric B. Hare or um, Arthur Maxwell or Mm. um, Sam Campbell as a kid? Let Mm. us know. Okay, so uh, we've got here... Uh, this one messages. says some text messages. This one says yes to Jungle Doctor. I'm also related to Eric Hare through his uncle. I guess wow. we've got a relative of uh, of, of Eric Hare mm-hmm. uh, listening to the show. That's that's pretty cool. And then Susanna says, "Oh, I remember Eric B. Hare stories. We sat down in the lounge and listened to them via cassettes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty modern. I listened to them on uh, on on vinyl. What you have a vinyl of Eric B. Hare? Oh." Dude, give me that vinyl. I can like sample it and we can make a song out of it. And we'll be like, wiki, wiki, poof, and then it can like be him Lawson, telling stories. just such a heretic. No, that, that would be awesome. <clears throat> that would just be a so good. It's all you are, it's just a heretic. 
Um, yeah, so I've still got those. I've still got some of those, and uh, they're pretty epic to you know put on the old um, turntable and listen to. That's awesome. Um, then, so I remember Eric. We list, we sat down in, in the lounge and listened to them via cassette. Excellent stories and good memories. Mm. Um, we've also got this one here. Let me just see here. Uh, the Jungle Doctor stories, absolutely love them. Listen to them on tapes as we travelled with the children. So it's interesting how many of these really famous stories got put onto tapes. There was the uh, now there was the very famous series of stories that came out on Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue. Uh huh. They were always they were radio stories. Uh huh. I don't think they were ever put in print. So Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue stories. I want to hear from you. Who who grew up on Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue stories? These were Americans um, who would do it on radio, and of course they would come out recorded on uh, cassette. Mm. That's how I heard them. I'm not sure whether they're ever on vinyl or not. Uh, I know Eric B. Hare was definitely on vinyl. Man, this Still is a whole those. new this is a whole new world to me. Yeah, it's a new I've, world. To I've heard like radio plays before. Like I've listened to like the Chronicles of Narnia and stuff. But like in terms of yeah, these these children's stories, I'm I'm lost. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, going to other text messages. Uh, let me just see. We did have some other text messages. The Mars landscape, it really does look like some of our deserts. Mm. Makes me wonder. Oh, oh, they're, they're like, they're not really on Mars. Is that, is that they're kind of. I, I don't know. Is that, is they're that what they're wondering? About something. I'm wondering about are something. they, are they wondering if, if, if like, man. Anyway, moving so on to questions. rhinos. Beautiful creatures. Imagine them in the pre-flood days. Mm. Big. Yeah, well, they're already just, just massive big things. But yeah, in, intense. Okay. Uh, another text message here says, uh, I compare the brain to a garden. Fill your thoughts with negativity and you will grow weeds. Fill it with positivity True. and you will grow flowers. Men, when my children were going through times of self-doubt, I would sing them the song, you've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. Don't mess with oh, Mr. Classic. In Between. That was from Paula. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, very good. Uh, oh, I've got so many messages here this morning. Uh, the Turkish underground cities, amazing discovery, amazing. Many Christians had no choice. Mm. Uh, it was a matter of do or die. One day we will be able to know the full story. I suppose that's where the governments of the world got the idea in building underground cities against what the future holds for them. Mm. As you know, uh, we won't be welcome. And this is interesting because the underground cities of Turkey were places of refuge for Christians. Um, and <clears throat> there's uh, a lot of evidence of Christians living in these under, underground cities. And this, of course, was during Imperial Roman persecution. Mm. Uh, the church shooting and the discrimination started after the separation of the Tower of Babel. Sin has no boundaries, considering they were separated for their salvation. Still praise God for the faithful men willing to put their life at risk or even lose their lives for others. Yeah, you know, the, the, the guy who, uh, who went in there to stop the shooter, initially went in there to stop the shooter, he's 52. I mean, he's just two years older than me. That's mm. way too young to die. But he gave his life and saved the rest of that church. Mm. Because, you know, with the doors chained shut, everyone in that church would have died. They were, they were gone, yeah. Yes. And he saw it and he, he obviously acted... Instantly, and so this was a decision that he had made a long time before he took this action. Mm. Um, and so, a true hero, right there, somebody who needs to be remembered. Uh, emotional memory I'm always amazed at how our senses can take us back in a matter of seconds to events going back 50 or 60 years 
or as long as you have lived. The power of positive godly thinking can save you from a lot of pain. Let's go back to him who created the brain. That is so true. You know, I can I can jump in uh, in, in in my truck, which my dad owned before I was born, and I learnt to drive in. And the smell when you step into the cab of that truck instantly takes me back to my childhood, eight years old, driving around the paddock, picking up loads of hay. Mm. Oh, dude, for me, I smell someone like using like a two-stroke whipper sniffer or something like that, and I just get transported back to being like five years old and sitting on my Wee 50 and like riding around the backyard, like, or being at the racetrack, like just that smell of like two stroke fuel. It's just, oh, it's something else. eh? It's, it's incredible. Actually the other day I saw a car, it was like a really loud show car and I saw it going down the street and I smelt it and it was like running uh, methanol, which is like a special kind of fuel. And I was immediately transported to like, to the racetrack. It's just, it's, it's wild how smells do that. Um, it's kind of freaky. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, Sky says, we are reading again Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. That's um, awesome. To, to her children. And then somebody else texts through to say, Uncle Dan and Aunt Sue from your story hour. I grew up with them, introducing them to my girls. Mm-hmm. These are classics from back in the day. They are just excellent. And I assume that you find them on somewhere online these days. Mm. Um, just just uh, download them and listen to them. Vincent uh it mentions How's Inky. Of course, How's Inky is one of the Sam Campbell series of, I think there was like 12 Sam Campbell books. And uh, Inky was another porcupine. Ah, okay. Yes. I think he was the first porcupine that uh, Sam Campbell worked with. He was a uh, a, a, a naturalist who studied nature, studied mm. animals uh, from Northwoods, Wisconsin, and wrote about it in books that are just sensational for adults and children. This is what I think is, is important about all of the... Uh, stories that have been mentioned here today is that they are enjoyed just by the, just as much by the adults reading them as they are by the children mm. listening to them. So uh, make sure that you take the time to read to your children. If we had Darren Pratt here, he would. Uh, this would be one of his mantras. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, we should we should give Darren a call and find out what uh, stories he had when he was a kid. Because... I can just hear him now, just listing off books. Yes. Because not only did he grow up reading stories as a kid uh, with his family and all those wonderful things, but he works in children's ministry, and so he's just going to be like, "So you need he's this be like... one, and you need this one, and you need this." I can hear his voice in my head saying that. So yeah, but um, that would be cool actually to yeah. get him in. Maybe he's listening to the show this morning. He often texts in, so maybe maybe he wants to jump on and talk. Darren, about you're the expert books. on children. What are the uh, what are the best books that you can raise your children on these days? Um, we've been talking about the nostalgic favourites that have gone mm. through. Well, in my family, at least four generations. Ah, uh-huh. at least four. Mm-hmm. So, um, there is yeah. a book that has gone through a couple of generations of my family, um, and it is the history of the Double Diamond Commandos from World War Two. Okay, and that's because my grandfather was a Double Diamond Commander. There you go, and so it's got a bunch of stuff got about a, him. Got in a it. connection to mm-hmm. to your family. That's 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 great. <laughs> family history is really important. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter twenty two. We're going to move on from the sacrifice of um, of Isaac, and we've got a rather sad event coming up. So Genesis twenty two verse twenty three. If you could read that one for us, please. And the Bible says in verse twenty three, Bethuel became the father of Rebekah in addition to these eight sons of Milcah. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's actually get a little bit more context to this. Mm. So let's uh, go back to... Uh, 
Well, let's start in verse 19. This is kind of where we got up to before. Yeah, it says, Then they returned uh, to the servants and travelled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. Soon after this, Abraham heard that Milcah, the brother of Nahor's wife, had born Nahor eight sons. The oldest was named Uz, and the next oldest was Buzz, and followed by Kemuel, the ancestor of the Arameans, um, Kesed, Hazo, Pildash, uh, Jidlaf, and Bethuel, Bethuel became the father of Rebekah, in addition to these eight sons from Milcah. Nahor had four other children from this concubine, Reumah. Their names were Teba, Gaham, Tehash, and Makah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lawson, you did just well. A, that was just a prank, dude. That, of course it was. Yeah, this, uh, these, 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 are, these are so, dude, Buzz. That name is... Huzz and Buzz. Huzz and Buzz. Huzz and Buzz are going to be, you know... B-U-Z. Yes. Dude. H- H-U-Z and B-U-Z. I'm sure they were twins. That's so awesome. No, my... Well, I've always this said, like... Life goals right if, here. Name your... Have twins and name them Huzz and Buzz. If I have a son, I want to name him, like, Lawson Jr. But yes. it's going to be Lawson Buzz Jr. <laughs> 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 that would be so awesome. There's some cool names here we need to bring back. Mm-hmm. I think Huzz and Buzz should be at the top of the list. Pildash? That, that's a banger right there. Yeah. <laughs> Jidlaf? <laughs> I mean, but some of them are quite reasonable, like Aaron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a variation of Aaron that we have today. Aaron has survived from the time of, you know, Moses all the way down mm. through to today. So just, you know, that's just a little bit a little bit different. And then Bethuel? you've got, like, gay. Bethuel's never come back. Bethuel? Yeah. I, like, because I assume that's a, we have, like, Bethany. Yeah, like, so we've got sort of like a feminine version of it. Yeah, that's but. right. And you've got uh you've got Kethuel as well, which mm-hmm. is again no, sorry, Kemuel, which is like Samuel, but like with a K. And you got uh Gaham, which is like Graham but without a without an R. And um I like Tahash. 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 That that's a cool name. Tahash. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so all these sons get born to this guy, um named uh well that Milka, the brother of Nahor's wife, um, all these people get born. So what's interesting here is that, you know, the Bible says that Abraham returned to his young man, they went back down to Bathsheba, and then uh, it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milka, and it goes on and, and lists all of these family members that have been born up in the north. And so very clearly this was, you know, news like this was something that they didn't hear about often. Mm. This was obviously not a time period in which people were travelling a lot and news was travelling a lot because by the time the, the you know the family news gets through to Abraham, there's been a whole bunch of people have been born and their children have been mm. born because Bethuel has been born, and Bethuel has, of course, uh, he and his wife have uh, given birth to Rebecca now. Mm. Isn't that name that survived? Rebecca survived. Yeah. Why do some of these names survive and some of them don't? Um. Well. Yeah, I guess just some are just better than others. Well, some are definitely more famous. famous. Like that's that's the big. And Rebecca is a much more famous character than yes, Milka. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess so. I guess that's the reason why the, mm. the, the famous ones survived and mm. Huzz and Buzz just weren't famous yeah. enough. Bring back Mephibosheth. That's that's the name right there. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one for me. What Mef- would you short- shorten that to? It's anything. Mo, Mef- Fee, Bo. Chef, like, th- you've got so many options. That's the best part about it. 
I think I'd go with Mo. Mo or Bo? Or Bo. Mo yeah. or Bo. Yeah. Or Fee, if it's like if you call your daughter that, but you probably wouldn't because it's a it's a male's name. Dude's name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but there's a lot of uh, women that get dudes' names. That's like right. That's right. Vice versa these days. Mm-hmm. It's, um, <clears throat> you know, both of my sons, Harley and Emerson, are, you know, Emerson is literally Emery's son. Uh-huh. But, yeah, there's girls out there named Emerson. There's girls out there named Harley. There are too. Yeah. Wow. I just, I just realised that. Yep. Now I can make fun of them. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> um, let's get to uh, the next story, right? Okay. Because so now continue- we come to chapter 23. That's right. Mm. What's interesting here is that we have this mention of the birth of Rebecca and mm-hmm. we now move on to chapter 23. So let's go there. Okay. So in chapter 23, it says, when Sarah was 127 years old. So That's she's, a decent She's age. getting up there. Um, she died in Kiriath. Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There, Abraham mourned and wept for her. Okay, so she's 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 a decent age when she passes away. Yep. Uh, by anybody's calculation, 127 years is is, is a decent run. Mm. Of course, Abraham lives for a lot longer. He actually remarries after this. Mm. Wow. And so you've got a number of events that are all sort of being mentioned together here. You've got the sacrifice of Isaac. You've got the. Um, the birth of Rebecca and the death of Sarah. Mm. And so Rebecca, of course, is going to go on to become Isaac's wife in the future. There's going to be somewhat of an age gap there. Mm. Uh, this is not something uncommon in the Bible or in history that you would have a significant age gap where there was an older man and a younger woman. Um, <clears throat> and so you're going to have that uh, that whole situation taking place. And some people have speculated that, you know, maybe the death of Sarah is actually linked to the sacrifice of Isaac. Maybe when, you know, Abraham and Isaac came back, Sarah was, Sarah was kind of freaked out over that and it added to her frailty at this time. Mm. I think that's just speculation. Mm. I don't think there's anything in the Bible to actually indicate that no. or support that. She's also just 127 years old. There is that. Yeah, which is like is at that. this time, you know, we've moved past the antediluvian period where people are living up to 900 years and it's like the lifespans are getting progressively shorter and at this time, 127 years old is not young. Like no. she is old by their standards. Mm. Yes. Mm. Okay, let's continue on here um, and let's read verse oh, 3, 4, 5, 6. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's read the first, let's read through to verse 6. Okay, it says, Then leaving her body, he said to the Hittite elders, Here I am, a stranger and a foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so I can give my wife a proper burial. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Listen, my lord, you are an honored prince among us. Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her there. No one will refuse to help you in this way. So this is interesting. Why is it that Abraham wants to buy a piece of land that he can use for a tomb? Um, Why not just dig a tomb on his own land? Well, that is really... He said he wants to give his wife a proper burial? Yes. Yeah. So just dig a tomb? Yeah. Well, because that's the reasoning that he gives, but I don't understand. Okay, this is the the reason why. Uh He didn't own any land. True. Yeah, he doesn't. He's just like... His heights own land? Yeah. He doesn't own any land. He's just nomadic. Like yes. he, he's he has been sworn the land of Canaan by God, but the Canaanites still the land, live there. He, that's right. He lives on the land, but he doesn't own the land. Mm. And so, basically, what Abraham has done his entire life is to 
you know, run his flocks and herds and so forth on unoccupied land. And at this time in Earth's history, there was a lot of unoccupied, uh, unoccupied <laughs> yeah, land. This wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't that he was, you know, enroaching on other people's property in any way, shape or form. There was plenty of room for him, mm-hmm. you know, particularly after he split away from Lot. Uh, but this was, this was how he lived. He owned no land. He had nowhere where he could wow. make a turn. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We must be up to another clue for our quiz. Yes, our final clue. Here we go. I sold my birthright to Jacob for some bread and stew. So this person, they made a very bad deal. 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win Bibleopoly, the board game, a biblical game of fun and faith. And as it sounds, it is Monopoly, but you work together to build churches. Um, so yeah, 0491064669 is the number to call or text. And yeah, all you have to do is text in the right answer, and then say, may I enter the quiz? And again, that last clue was, I sold my birthright to Jacob for some bread and stew. All right, let's go back to our story that we are looking at, and really we're looking at some family matters that are taking Mm. place right here. And we've looked at the fact that Abraham wants to buy this particular piece of land off the Hittites. Now, it's interesting that you've got a group of Hittites that are living in Palestine at this particular time because the Hittites, you know, when when, when we study the history of the Hittites, they come from Turkey. A very, very large empire that existed in Turkey. They were, you know, a world superpower at one particular time. And so it kind of makes you wonder, okay, was this a Hittite colony? Was this mm. a Hittite outliers? Were this, were this just some Hittites who happened to move down into this area and it's like, yeah, we're going to live here and bought themselves some land and set themselves up a city? What was going on here that they decided that they wanted to actually um, live in this particular place and, and, and own land there? Why were, why were the Hittites there? These are, these are questions that we really don't know the answer to, but we do know that, you know, down through the history of Israel, Hittites are a familiar people group to the mm. Israelites. You know, you've got Uriah the Hittite in the time of David. Mm. Was Uriah somebody who'd actually come down from, you know, the Hittite empire up in Turkey, or was he a local Hittite? You know, mm. they have local Hittites that were just sort of living there. Yeah, that's right. And you can imagine, like, if we're talking about a colony and we're talking about in the middle... Sorry, we're talking about an empire in the Middle East and, you know, the Middle East being one of the most kind of travelled and traversed areas at that time, you know. Um, like, we, we understand multiculturalism today. Like, it makes sense because we live in Australia and we're full of people from other races. But at this time, yeah, the, the, this is the hub and the centre of the world. And so, for sure, like, I could imagine a group of Hittites being like, yeah, we're from the massive Hittite empire up in Turkey, uh, but we're coming down and living in this area of the Middle East and setting up shop there. But we are racially, you know, ethnically and, you know, culturally Hittite. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Mm. Anyway, um, Abraham has gone to the Hittites and he's asked to buy a piece of land. And there's like, look, use any of the graves that we have. You know, you're a prince. We we love you. You're awesome. <laughs> that's that's so good. That's so nice. Yeah, they're like, you know, because Abraham is like a nomad who has no land. That's right. He must have been making some deals or something because they're like, you're great. No, I think that Abraham was just a godly man and they recognized it. Mm. You know, I, 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 and I think that he'd been an honorable man mm. and that they were honorable towards him. He was a good neighbor. Yeah, well. And this is one of the important things about being a good neighbor, being a good, you know, sane, sober, moral uh, person, is that you are going to have people around you who are going to respect that. Wow. That's actually such a 
that's so true. Like his witness was such to them where they considered him just fantastic. Yes. And uh, we see that multiple times in the Bible. Like we see, you know, uh, other nations collaborating with like David and Solomon, for example, because they're like, oh, wow, these guys are great. And so we'll help them out and we'll send them wood and we'll do things like that. And yeah, even up until this day, I, I know I'm super blessed to be a part of an amazing church family. And there's stuff that's come up in my 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 personal, my biological family, where it's like, oh, they're moving house or something like that, and I ask some of my church friends to help out, and then they do a really good job, and they're really respectable and nice, and then my family are like, wow, your friends are awesome, like, you know, and then they they really have grown grown warm to, you know, even though they're not Christian themselves, they've really grown warm to to Christianity and to the church, um, and even to to God because of how amazing um, my church family is and how good of a witness they've been. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Like, I totally can see the situation happening here where he's just a good dude. They love it. All right, let's read uh, verses 7, 8, and 9. In 7, 8, 9, the Bible says, Then Abraham bowed low before the Hittites and said, Since you are willing to help me in this way, be so kind as to ask Ephron, son of Zohar, to let me buy his cave in Machpelah. Down at the end of his field, I will pay the full price in the presence of witnesses, so I will have a permanent burial place for my family. Okay, so he goes ahead and buys this cave, and it's the only piece of land that Abraham ever owns. Mm. All he owns is a cave. Yeah, outside of, like, leaving Ur. Yes. Like, once he left, and then he's got nothing. Yeah. That's right. He never owns land again, but he does, except for this, this cave, which he doesn't even buy until after Sarah passes away. Mm. And what's interesting is you can go there today. You can visit the cave of Machpela. It's um, still there, of course. It's a uh, it, it's a sacred site. You can't go down inside the cave. Uh, there's probably been nobody inside the cave except for people that have you know illegally snuck in there. You know, over the last um, hundred years or so, there may have been you know two or three people that have kind of illegally snuck in there and and made records of what's in there. But mm. uh, you know, it, it's sealed off. Um, which is, you know, it's, that's, that's appropriate for a grave. You don't want people just sort of wandering around inside of a, a tomb and to, mm. in, inside of a grave. Is it the actual tomb of Machpelah? As far as biblical sites go, you kind of have three categories of biblical sites, mm. and you have those uh, kind of sites that are uh, genuine confirmed sites. Mm. So, for instance, when you walk up the steps leading to the Temple Mount, mm. for instance, you know you're walking on a genuine site. You know you're walking on steps that Jesus would have walked on at some point in his life. Mm. So it's a genuine site. Then you have sites that have been buried over the years. So, for instance, when you visit the judgment hall where you know Jesus was tried, um, they'll take you down into the basement of this particular building, but the actual floor stones of the judgment hall is like another 60 feet below you. But you are in the general vicinity. Mm. So you have genuine sites and you have sites that are in the general vicinity, where it's like we know this is in the general vicinity. Uh, and then you have sites that are completely just, you know, made up. Yeah. Like the Church of the Cock Crow. It's like, well, there was a, a chicken shed here uh, in the first century and the cock that um, crowed three times um, went with, with Peter's uh, denial lived in the chicken shed that was right here and now we built a church over the top. And it's just like that is wildly that is like ridiculous. that is like the McDonald's version of history. That's like the <laughs> most franchise. So. Like that's in, that's incredible. And so those are the those are the kind of categories that you get, you know. And you get you get other categories where it's like uh, we don't actually know, but it was most likely here. Mm. Now it seems that the cave of Machpelah 
is actually very, very likely mm. the actual location. Yeah, okay. And that's because of the geography of it. That's because of the location of it. Um, that's because there's no other similar uh, landforms in the area and because there's a very, very long history of it. Mm. And so when the Jewish people recognized it for centuries and then Christian people have recognized it for centuries and, and Islamic people have recognized it for centuries and everybody agrees on it and it was recognized for centuries before the time of Christ, uh, it's most likely that this is, you know, this is actually the, the, the spot. Mm. So, yeah, we, we do believe that, uh, that we know where the Cave of Machpelah is and uh, that we're able to um, yeah, visit the, well, at least the outskirts of it today. You can't go into it mm. because it has been blocked off, probably appropriately so. All right, so, but it does tell us something about you know, Abraham. And uh, if we continue on here, let's read a couple more verses there, just and we'll finish off this little bit of a story. Uh, yeah, it continues on in verse 10. It says, Ephron was sitting there among the others, and he answered Abraham as the others listened, speaking publicly before all the Hittites and elders of the town. No, my lord, he said to Abraham, please listen to me. I will give you the field and the cave. Uh, wow. Here in the presence of my people, I give it to you. Go and bury your dead. Abraham again bowed low before the citizens of the land, and he replied to Ephron, as everyone listened, No! Listen to me. I will buy it from you. Let me pay the full price for the field so I can bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My lord, please listen to me. The land is worth 400 pieces of silver. But what is that between friends? Go ahead and bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's price and paid the amount he had suggested, 400 pieces, weighed according to the market standard, the Hittite elders, and uh, witnessed the transaction. Fantastic stuff. It's a great story right here. (laughs) And it just shows the incredible amount of respect that they actually had for each other. Abraham didn't listen to him, though. No. He's like, it's only 400 pieces of silver, Abraham. Get lost. Just take it. And he's like, oh, okay, now I know how much it's worth. Here's the money. Here's the money. (laughs) Thank you for letting me know how much it's worth. That's so This funny. is an ancient negotiation happening right here and it's just fantastic to uh to, to see you know the 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 respect mm. that these people had for each other. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. About to get to question of the day before we do. Lawson, where are we up to with the quiz? Oh, well, basically, we've ran through all the clues and we'll just give you another uh, one last chance to have a listen to them and uh, get that answer correct. So, the they were two of my wives were Hittite women named Judith and Basimath. My wives and I were the source of grief to my parents. My father said to me, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother, but when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. I was covered with red hair when I was born, and finally, I was sold my birthright to Jacob for some bread and stew. 0491-064669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win our weekly prize, which is the Bibliopoly board game. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day today is, did Saul know that David would be his successor? That comes in from Karen. Yes, the answer is yes. Um, Saul did know that. The question that really comes up is, when did he know that? Mm. Okay, so if we look at the uh, at the biblical narrative, we find that in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 
Uh, Saul finds out for the very first time that the kingdom will not go to one of his descendants. Mm. And so here Samuel said to him, this is 1 Samuel 15, verse 28, Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. So this is the very first time that Saul actually finds out that somebody else is going to rule in his place. Mm. Uh, Then we go to chapter 16, and in chapter 16 we find that... uh, in, in uh, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. And so very clearly this was a secret mission Mm. where uh, Samuel goes there on this mission with a cover story. It's a genuine cover story. They're going to have a genuine sacrifice, but it is a cover story. So we know that Saul has been told in chapter 15 that he will not maintain the kingdom. We know that in chapter 16 that David is anointed. What we don't know is when and how Saul finds out that it's going to be David. But we do know that he does find out. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 now, we find that, uh, so a few chapters further along, um, Saul says, For as long as the son son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom, he's speaking to his son Jonathan, will be established. Therefore now send and bring him to me, for he must surely die. So by chapter 20 we know that Saul knows and that he is actively trying to kill David because David has become a threat to the throne and to his lineage. Uh, by chapter 23 and verse 17, Jonathan, is, this is very clear in his mind as well, uh, where Jonathan says to David, uh, Do not be afraid. Because of the hand of Saul, my father will not find you, and you will be king of Israel, and I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows this also. Mm. So somewhere along the line, what, Je- what, what Samuel had done in anointing the son of Jesse, David, had leaked out by this particular point, and it mm. was well known that David had been anointed. In chapter 24, Uh, Saul makes the following statement. This is in verse 20. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. And so here's what we've got. Samuel clearly feared for his life if he was going to anoint someone to be king over Israel other than a descendant of Saul. So this was a dangerous thing for Samuel to do. Samuel has a cover story when he goes there. So clearly David was anointed in secret. Mm. But this is a rather large secret to keep, and Samuel died. He died of old age. Mm. Um, He died long before Saul lost his kingdom, and so possibly sometime after the death of Samuel, because Samuel was not killed, he died of old age. So we're assuming that sometime after the death of Samuel, the story has leaked out. Mm. And as a result, uh, Saul is super threatened by this, which is one of the primary reasons why he continues to go after David and to try and hunt him down and to destroy him. As you go through this day, do not forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. i
For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.